When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui here with Joe Volpe, the fantasy.football.analyst on Instagram. Um, yeah, man. So we're going over free agents. It's still happening. Still going on. I think this is our this is our second or third podcast about free agents. I think it's the, the third second. podcast. Second? Second? I don't even know. Um, I feel like it's been dragging on. Like, uh, you know, uh, some of these free agents, you know, took a little while to, to sign. Uh, Kenny Galladay finally signed. Juju finally signed. We got a couple of running backs signed as well. Um, so yeah, let's get right into it, man. We have a few names to go through. Um, but first of all, I just want to know how you're feeling today, Joe. How you doing? I would do a little exhausted. Uh, just, just just a little vibe check, you know. I'm exhausted. I woke up at 8 a.m. today. I don't know why. I just did. 8 I don't do that. That sounds. That doesn't Yo, sound early to a lot of people. But it's I usually not. Get up it's like not early at all. You woke, oh, that's, 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 that sounds nice, dude. That sounds nice. The last time I woke up at 11 was before I had kids, like five years well, ago. Well, I'm sure when I have kids, I'll never get to do it again. So that's why I want to, you know, thoroughly enjoy it now. Oh, 100%. I mean, I'm going to vacation next week, so I'm definitely going to be waking up late for sure. Um, all right, man, let's get right into it, man. Kenny Galladay going to the Giants. Um, this was probably the biggest one since we talked last week. And by the way, if you um, – if you want to know what we think about all of the uh, free agents who signed before Kenny Galladay did, uh, go check out last week's podcast. We break down all of it from a fantasy football perspective. So oh, go yeah. check that out. Um, chapters too. Yeah. Get the chapters. Yeah. So if you want to know about a specific free agent and, and you know what impact they made from a fantasy perspective, go, you can go into your podcast app. You can look into the chapters feature of that app of that episode. And then you could, go directly to that player and you don't have to listen to the whole thing if you don't want to. So, um, so yeah, uh, you could do the same thing here for this podcast as well. So if you don't want to hear about Kenny Galladay, which you probably do, but there are other guys, like if you want to skip straight to Brashad Perriman, no problem, no problem. That's on you. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So whenever a top tier wide receiver goes to a new team, you have to evaluate like where the other pass catching weapons stand, right? Like try to determine target share from there, right? Is there anyone close to Galladay on the Giants in terms of being a dominant wide receiver? Like Saquon? I, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, Saquon. Yeah, he, <laughs> like Sterling Shepard is a great route runner. Like he's going to go back into the slot with Golden Tate gone. Like when that's where Sterling Shepard has been more efficient in his career. That's where we like him. Uh, Darius Slayton, you know, he's not really like on the map for me with the other pass catchers they have, like in terms of target share, like he's going to have his games because he's going to be going up against like the, the you know, the second quarterback, right? Um, but he's not something I'm necessarily interested in from a redraft perspective. Uh, best ball, sure, um, but not a redraft. So like you said, I think for me, Galladay and Saquon and then everybody else. Yeah, um, Evan Ingram was kind of in contention. He saw on and off targets last year, uh, some poor play by Daniel Jones, some really poor play by uh, Evan Ingram himself with some of those nasty drops. Uh, but the coaching staff says they have faith in him. They also brought in Kyle Rudolph. 
Um, so maybe a potential Evan Ingram trade. That's something we've been hearing about for a while. Maybe they do that, pick up Kyle Pitts. I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be a do or die year for Daniel Jones. And if he can't do it with, you know, hopefully they improve the offensive line, but you got Kenny Galladay, you got Sterling Shepard, you got Saquon Barkley, you got Darius Slayton, you got Evan Ingram, you got Kyle Rudolph. I think he's got plenty of weapons around him to not have any more excuses. But in terms of Kenny Galladay, how do you value him as a fantasy asset? Would you say he's a top 15, top 20 guy? Uh, is he still floating around the top 10 range? Is he outside your top 20? Because for me, I think he fits nicely within that top 20 range. I don't know. I, like, If Daniel Jones goes berserk and he like actually turns into a good quarterback, then the sky's the limit. You know, He could be like a top 10 wide receiver. But I, I really don't see that happening on that level. So I still just put him around that top 20 range. Yeah, I kind of – I'm pretty much on board with what you said there. Um, like for me, like I said, all Galladay and Saquon, right? I could see Galladay, like if I had to think about how many targets he's going to get next year, I could see somewhere between 120 and 140, right? Yeah. Saquon getting maybe like around 100, okay? Um, or, you know, maybe a little bit more than 100. Now, if Galladay gets that type of volume, like it's going to be a mix of – high value targets right like deep contested end zone you know what i mean like those type of targets and like daniel Mo- daniel daniel moans daniel jones <laughs> that's a great porn star name daniel moans oh god um, sorry sorry I, I just you know off the cuff off the cuff you know what i mean yeah, um, yeah, yeah. do what you gotta do but uh, <laughs> like daniel jones is going to like he's not going to be hit, hitting him every single time like accurately but i don't think he's afraid of Sending it deep. <laughs> now, now we're going to be oh, on this theme the entire time. Um, I don't think he's going to be f- afraid to let Gallaudet go up and get it. You know what I mean? And that's Gallaudet's, that's that's his game. You know what I mean? Um, he separates in a different way than a lot of these other wide receivers, but it's just how it is. Um, now, there were games back in Detroit where Marvin Jones outshined Gallaudet, right? Because Stafford had that rapport with him, right? Like, I don't see a scenario in this case where, like, the second wide receiver is going to get close to Gallaudet in terms of target share outside of Saquon, right? So, like, the targets themselves might not be a deal, but I think as long as the raw numbers are there in terms of targets, I think he'll be a top 20 wide receiver. Like, does he have upside of being a wide receiver one? I think the upside is still there, possibly, but, you know, despite him being paired with Daniel Jones, but I'm not going to overpay. I think that's the that's the point. Like, I'm only, like, depending on what his price is, like, I'm only going to buy him at his floor, Right. And his ADP is going to be key in whether I have him on any teams next season. Yeah. I think what's really interesting about Kenny Galladay, I just had to do some research while you're, you know, going on there. And now I can't find that. I have so many pages open. Um, Kenny Galladay, back in 2019, when he was among the top wide receivers, uh, he only caught 65 balls and he took those for 1,190 yards, 11 touchdowns. And uh, yeah, he ended up as among the top fantasy receivers. And he caught 65 balls on, I believe, I just, again, I just had it here. I think it's 112 targets. Yeah, it was more than He ended targets, up having yeah. 56% catch rate. So right. you're talking about a guy who caught just about 50% of his balls and it turned into a top 10. What did he end up being that year? Do you even know on top of your head? I think he was easily in the top I think 10. He, he was definitely a wide receiver one um, yeah. because, of his, because of his touchdowns. Yeah, so... 
yeah, touchdowns alone being one thing, but I mean that just goes to him being a dominant player and being able to get in the end zone too. I think that oh, he, he's going part. to. There's no doubt. Like he's like a Des Bryant type of guy in terms of like Absolutely. his fantasy value is going to come from touchdowns, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like yeah, his that's that's what his profile is, and that's fine. Um, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with depending on touchdowns when it comes to guys like him. And another thing too, let's say he let's say we hit high here and we say he gets 140 targets. Um, with Daniel Jones, even if he doesn't play well, if Kenny Holiday can come down with again, we, we showed him like 60, 70. Uh, if he gets into the 80 catches, who knows what he can do with that number? 100%. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, 140 targets is like elite, yeah, a level of targets, you know. Um, that's definitely going to be in the top five or six, you know what I mean? So, uh, so if that I mean, happens, he's going to be fine. Uh, yeah, the so question if Daniel is, Jones is wildly inaccurate, he could still end yeah. up getting like. Yeah. yeah, and it, it depends what the target distribution is going to look like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the thing. Like, is he going to be distributing distributing a ton to Engram, to Saquon, to Ju, uh, to to uh, to Slayton, to Shepard, to, to to Rudolph? You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of guys there, and, and that's that's the thing. I do think that in this type of situation where there's like a good amount of separation between Gallery and the next guy. I'm not counting Saquon here. Okay, he's going to get his targets, but as, as far as wide receivers and tight ends go, I think there's a good, a good enough cushion there to the point where, like, I think he's going to lead them in target share. I think so too, and um, I think this is also just worth mentioning. This is likely a team that just wants to play strong defense and run the ball with their number two overall pick. You know, I think that's how they view Saquon. I don't think they view him as like an asset that you kind of have to. Um, uh, like conserve you know like Saquon's someone who they're just like you know if he's at their disposal they're going to use him on the field at mm-hmm. all times they want to get their values worth from that pit pick David Gettleman wants to make it worth that pick so I, I truly believe that Saquon's healthy which he's coming off an ACL so who knows exactly how healthy he is that uh, he's going to be the main benefactor of this offense and if they need to go deep or if they need to pass the ball it's going to be Gallaudet so it's going to be an interesting right. offense and uh you know, interesting rest of the offseason. See what they do with that draft pick. What if they draft another wide receiver? What if right. they draft a Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith? Or or Kyle Pitts. Or Kyle Pitts, exactly. So now let me ask you this. Do you think this move helps Saquon anyway? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I definitely don't think it hurts him. Um, it could help him by stretching the field. That's something they've been trying to do and they haven't done it successfully. You can't leave a guy like Kenny Galladay in one-on-one coverage against a corner who's not like 6'3 or 6'4, and there's not too many of those guys. So, right. uh, yeah, you, you definitely need some extra coverage on him, and that will help Saquon. Um, it's also going to be about if they're able to establish that, though, because if they say, okay, by the time Galladay gets down the field, we can get Daniel Jones on the ground and a fumble, then it probably won't mean all that much. So <laughs> he's, right, right. Daniel okay. Jones has got to show something. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, he has his guys, like he has a decent offense around him. Offensive line isn't amazing, but at the same time, like, you know, he has enough that, you know, I don't think he has any excuses at this point. I think that that's pretty well established. Um, Okay. Moving on to Juju. He's back with the Steelers. Um, I didn't think this would happen personally. Um, Now keep in mind that this offense is now in the hands of Matt Canada. Right. So how are you looking at this passing offense going into next season? Like, do you think it's more the same 
between him, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool in terms of like target share, the way they were using him, et cetera? I think target share had a lot more to do with Big Ben. And um, because if you watch those games, I mean, he just kept looking at Deontay, no matter what the situation was. Like he just really wanted to get the ball into Deontay's hand. So I think that's going to play a little bit more into Ben. But in terms of scheme, uh, we talked about this before on the um, uh, coaching changes podcast that um, Matt Canada could potentially put in some play uh, play action plays because that's something that they really have not done. And that's something that could really benefit Chase Claypool, hence why me, you, and a whole bunch of other people were thinking that Chase Claypool was going to have this breakout year. And I think he still easily can, you know, because I think he doesn't need high volume. And if these play action plays actually work, which, you know, they're going to need a running back to implement this. They need something to fake the defenses out. If they have Anthony McFarland, it's not, you know, exactly a huge threat. You're not going to, oh, no one's coming. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, definitely Juju is going to be the third wide receiver. I'm drafting out of this bunch. I think Deontay is still going to be up there with the targets. Chase Claypool is going to be there with the big games. And Juju, you know, he'll have his moments. He'll be that safety net playing that, you know, hybrid slot role. He'll line up outside sometimes and in the slot other times. But, um, yeah, I mean, third wide receiver taken, low end wide receiver too, potentially. How do you feel? Who, who do you, who do you who are you saying that is going to be a low end wide receiver too potentially Juju or Juju potentially Juju. yeah I think right, Chase right. Claypool yeah. is there at a wide receiver two value Deontay a high wide receiver two has yeah. potential to be a wide receiver one yeah for sure yeah and um, I agree I mean I personally think that Deontay and Claypool they have the most upside I think that's kind of clear uh, I simply like I just rather have those two guys on my fantasy team right like Deontay great route runner Ben trusts him a ton like you said he was sixth in the league in targets per game last year. Yeah. Um, I think the wild card here is how big of a jump Chase Claypool can take, right? And it could be really big. You know, he had an extremely efficient and impressive rookie season, and now you have to peg him down just a bit because of the fact that they re-signed Juju. But um, it's a little disappointing, to be honest, for me, like I, because I was ready for these two guys to absolutely destroy this yes. year. You know, despite the fact that Ben is an old man <laughs> right now. Um, but, but yeah, man. I, so we talked about this before. Um, but basically, like and you, you mentioned it too, uh, I would rank Deontay as a borderline wide receiver one, uh, Chase Claypool as a solid wide receiver two, and Juju as a, you know, I, I would have him as a wide receiver three right now. Um, and, and I think he's going to be a little inconsistent, you know. Um, yeah. He was and last for year. Ju- yeah, and for Juju's fantasy sake, like honestly, like he needs to be used a lot better than they used him last year because most of his targets were so close to the line of scrimmage. Like he simply didn't have as many high value targets as the other two guys. Like when they got into the red zone, they used him a little bit like in the end zone. Um, you know, when he got into the end zone, he ran some routes into the end zone, but honestly, like um, it wasn't, the usage wasn't great. You know um, now I'm hoping that this drives down the price of Claypool. Like, I think people will still pay up for Deontay and I'm okay taking that shot on Claypool, yeah. you know, if his price is suppressed a little bit. So I believe in the talent. I think the target share might support that as well in his second year. Um, let's just, let's just hope that he can stay out of the bar fights. Let's just hope that <laughs> if he could do that. <laughs> I think with Claypool too, isn't that he was a flex last year. And I, I think even with Juju coming back, he's still going to, you know, he's still going up. Chase Claypool was borderline wide receiver two, if not already wide receiver two in the second half of the year after that yeah. huge 44, you know, four touchdown game or whatever it was. So exactly. regardless, he's still going to be value. Um, yeah. Also worth mentioning. I don't know if we talked about it already. Juju took significantly less money 
to stay with the Steelers. He had offers from the Ravens and Chiefs for more money, but he chose to stay in Pittsburgh. Um, afterwards, going on social media saying, you know, I love my city. I love Pittsburgh. I didn't want to leave. I don't know, but it, it seems like the, the Ravens are kind of having that deal where they're throwing money at those receivers and they're just not interested. Apparently, um, I, I don't know if we're going to go into this now or maybe a little later, but T.Y. Hilton re-signed with the Colts. Uh, he apparently had an offer to, to play for the Ravens for more, a lot more money than he did for the Colts, but he chose to stay in Indianapolis. So I don't know what's going on in Baltimore and these wide receivers being smart and not wanting to ruin their career because they're never going to get any targets. But um, No, I, I hear you, and, and I think you hit it. But can we explain why he didn't go to the Chiefs, though? Like, that's the part that I don't get. He signed yeah. a one-year deal. Like the, the whole point of a one-year deal is like do like have a crazy year, break out again. Like he already broke out his rookie <laughs> year, but break out again so you can get paid that big contract that you want. Yeah. Right. So if he went to the Chiefs and played with Patrick Mahomes, the dude would go bonkers. Like he could have like a 1400 yard season again. You know, he can, you know what I'm saying? And I really didn't understand what, because if he had that with Patrick Mahomes, he comes out of that the next off season, either re-signing with the chiefs for good money, or he has a big contract elsewhere, you know? Um, You know, honestly, it's, it's, it's very interesting for me. I think it's the camaraderie a lot for him. I think it's the fact that he's so close to those guys in the locker room. And I'm not going to be the one to say like, Oh, it's because of TikTok, and he wants to do his TikTok (laughs) dances. But I think he's got a really good friendship with like Chase Claypool. I think he's got a really good friendship with those guys. And, you know, being a younger guy, that's just kind of something he values a little more. And I feel like another thing too, you know, you settle down, you have a home, maybe he's close to family. When you move away from that spot, you kind of have to reestablish yourself a little bit. When you go to Kansas City, you have to reestablish yourself as like the star. And what if he doesn't? I mean, that place is already filled with Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, maybe he doesn't have that chance to reestablish himself as a star. And that's something he took into account because let's say Juju goes there, doesn't get volume. And then he's just kind of like, you know, this name in the background who is like, Oh, who Juju's there, who, but it's Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Who wins the Super Bowl? <laughs> he's just a name in the background who wins the Super Bowl. And I don't think he'll be a Could name be. in the background. Yeah, you know? I, like, yeah. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of what logical reason, like outside. I think, I think the reason that you gave is the reason. Um, but it, it's almost a little short-sighted for me. Like, you know, I don't know if he's doing the best thing, you know, for his longevity, but it, who knows if that's mm. his goal or not. You know, he's so young, and I feel and, like he could leverage himself, you know, to another level at this And point. who knows? Maybe he thinks Pittsburgh's close. I mean, they were undefeated for 10 or 11 games. Obviously, they were not, like, really, like, a good team, and they showed when they played Washington and got, you know – beat by the Browns without their head coach in the playoffs. But um, maybe he thinks they're close. I mean, their defense at full strength is great. They get a new offensive system in there. Big Ben, second year back. I don't know. Who right. knows? No, I hear you, man. All right. So so let's let's go to the other guy who didn't sign with the Ravens, D.Y. <laughs> Hilton. Um, it, it, for me, this is kind of a big deal. Like, it was a large deal, like a large amount of money. And I didn't think – it was almost like a thank you deal. Like, thank you, T.Y. Hilton, for your services – and for your career here in Indy. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for me, like from a fantasy perspective, it's a bit of a bummer because I was looking for more targets being available for Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman. Um, but now the target distribution might be a little bit more spread out, which, you know, is not what we want for fantasy, right? Like I still love me some Paris Campbell, right? At the end of drafts, like I'm always going to be in, you know, in on that guy because of the freak injuries that he's had. 
Um, yeah. And I personally, by the way, like I'll be looking to trade for him right now in Dynasty, you know, given what's going on, like the fact that he hasn't been healthy in the NFL as of yet and that T.Y. Hilton just resigned. Like I'm, I'm going to buy him right now. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, and that's a long-term move for me, you know, uh, that sure. could potentially pay out as early as this year, you know, despite Hilton being there. Um, we know how much Carson Wentz likes targeting the slot since he's entered the league and how much he did so with Frank Wright. And then how much Frank Wright also likes to feature his slot wide receiver, you know, Nelson when, they're healthy, when they're healthy. And not only Nelson Aguilar, you know, he did with Jordan Matthews. He did it with his tight ends in the slot as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and that dates back to his days in Philly. So um, let, let me ask you this. How are you viewing these wide receivers in Indy in terms of target distribution? Well, T.Y. is only getting older. And that contract was generous. But um, and, and he did have some big games towards the end of the year in, in uh, those easy matchups. But I think Michael Pittman is still someone who I'm very much interested in late in drafts. He was kind of on the rise towards the end, and I, I thought he was going to have some sort of breakout. It didn't really end up happening. But he had Phillip Rivers throwing him the ball, and that's not, you know, that's not great. And Phillip Rivers at that point in his career was much better at throwing to running backs than he was at any other position on the field. So um, Pittman was not getting high-quality targets. He was still making big plays, and if he can progress – to establish himself as the wide receiver one. T.Y. Hilton's a great why. He's a great complimentary guy, right? He doesn't have to be the wide receiver one for a team. Um, and, and, and before last year, T.Y. Hilton, I, I, we had looked it up. He had dealt with 14 different strains and sprains um, throughout the course of his NFL career. And he's missed games because of all of those. Some For some reason, T.Y. Hilton just loves those sprains, loves those strains, those hamstrings, their quads, whatever. So, uh, you know, one injury, and then Michael Pittman's in a really good spot. And then Paris Campbell, another name. Paris Campbell kind of gives me, like, Deion Kane vibes. Like, Deion Kane was someone from Indy who I was, like, really excited for. And then he never really came to, and he dealt with all these injuries. Obviously, it's like there's nothing really about the situation other than, like, yeah, I hear you. Value, I, wait, you wait, but Deion Kane was like a seventh round pick or like undrafted sixth no, round I don't pick think or something so. like that, right? No, he it was no third, fourth. It, it, he was, really? I'll do that while you do you. Deion let's Kane do drafted. That's just what I'm Googling here. Uh, what round did he get drafted? Uh, six. Okay. I thought it was higher. Sixth round, right? Um, yeah. And, and, and hmm. look, look up when Paris Campbell got drafted. I think he was drafted in the second. I second. mean, he was drafted. He was drafted to be Frank Reich's guy, you know. And like they still have confidence. Yeah. They, they they said multiple things, good things about him this offseason that they still believe in him and stuff like that. And he had those freak injuries. And you know the you know certain medical guys on Twitter have said that these are freak injury type of situations. You know, Keenan Allen, yeah. obviously early in his career, he had these freak injuries that you know you can't really do anything about. You know, which sucks. Yep. So. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm really on him because of the fact that he's, you know, it's kind of a nice fit, you know what I mean? With him, Carson Wentz, with Frank Wright. And if he stays healthy, that's kind of, you know, at this okay. point, your guy is Joe Mixon and my guy is, uh, <laughs> it's Paris Campbell. Okay. I respect All that. Right. I respect that. I'll, yep. I'll give my distance on Paris Campbell because <laughs> I know how I feel about Joe Mixon and when someone says something bad about him. So by the way, Giovanni Bernard potentially traded or cut i'm just saying i said that multiple times i don't want that to happen if that happens then everyone's going to be more in on mixon and mm. i do not i do not want his price to rise 
I like taking him at the discount that he's at right now. And if Gio I gets traded, think his price is going to rise. Because at the end of the year, Giovanni Bernard is losing snaps to Samaji Piran, Jervian Williams, and so many, and the people who are not drafting Nixon. But people don't know people that. Hit. <laughs> they may not know that, but like, there's a perception. The people who are avoiding you know? Nixon are the people who got hurt by him. So right. I don't really know whatever changes happened. Maybe they'll be like, oh, well, Joe Mixon falls to the fourth round. Maybe I'll think about it. Right, right. Yeah, I hear you. And and he will, by the way. You no, know, I, I did a couple. Well, I did mocks with my followers, so that doesn't really help. Yeah, with your followers. Like, second. Yeah, people are just taking Joe Mixon because they don't want you to take, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I hear you. I, and I can see him going in the late second in, in the 12-team leagues for sure. Um, but I just think that, you know, once people say like, oh, Gio got traded, it's all Joe Mixon. But we know that it was all Joe Mixon last year anyway when he was healthy. Yeah. Um, and Gio Bernard not being there, it's just like a, a signal to people like, oh, okay, cool. I could think about Joe Mixon now rather than him being off the map. Yeah. We, we get to talk about Joe Mixon at least once, like per episode. I just like that somehow it just fits in. Yeah, I'm sure you had nothing to do with that. Okay, uh, so moving on from Joe Mixon, uh, <laughs> Chris Carson, he's back to the Seahawks. This one's pretty simple to wow. me. He's a guy, right? Like, yeah. we might see some Rashad Penny this year too, but A, we have to see how healthy he is because he definitely hasn't been able to stay healthy. And yeah. B, Carson got paid for a reason, right? He's going to be their guy. So hopefully, you know, he himself can stay healthy. Like, like the deal wasn't a huge deal for him, uh, but at the same time, it's at least a two-year deal, right? Tell, tell me um, not, though. It would be the most Seattle Seahawks move ever to draft a running back early. Yeah, it would. It wouldn't I make just, sense. It doesn't it make, make sense. sense. It doesn't. But, I mean, I guess they view it as they have no depth behind Chris Carson. And it seems like every single year the Seahawks get down to their fifth or sixth string running back. Like every year, like two years right. years ago, they had to use Marshawn Lynch. Just no, like, they had to bring Marshawn Lynch back from retiring. Because they, they, they keep drafting these power backs. You know, these power backs just run into people all game long. <laughs> like there's no finesse about anybody's game here, right? But that's what like, I'm saying. They, all the, all like, the running backs have been like that. They feel like they have no depth behind Carson. So maybe they'll try to make a move for a running back. I, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying or, it makes sense. I'm just saying or, this is Seattle. I think Pete Carroll, I think Pete Carroll, like every year, miraculously believes that Rashad Penny is going to stay healthy. <laughs> He's like, yep, Rashad Penny is going to be that guy. It's going to be Carson and Penny going into the year. Who's the okay. starter? I don't know. Uh, that's, that's how he rolls. But how do you view Carson? Like, do you view him as like a borderline RB1, top 15 guy? Yeah. I think he's a solid, I think he's a solid RB2, but he's going to have RB1 weeks, no doubt. Yeah, I, I, I'd classify him as like a high-end running back to border RB1. I mean, it's just at this point, you know, right. like if, again, if they they sign Fournette, God forbid, or like uh, James Conner or Le'Veon Bell, maybe they bring in Le'Veon Bell. That'd be interesting. Paying two running backs, that's also a Seattle move. <laughs> but um, Well, Le'Veon Bell is, good, is not going to. Yeah, know, he's, he's not going to command a lot. No, he's not. He's not. Might be a good um, compliment, but either way, no, as I, of I this so. moment, yeah, as of this moment, he is expected to be the workhorse. He's being paid to be the workhorse in a more balanced, uh, which I guess could be better for him. I don't know. I, I'd say, yeah, just not really too much there. Uh, low running back one, potentially. Yeah, I think, you I know, know I, I, I feel like Seattle is one place like where Le'Veon Bell could get opportunity. You know, and like revive like his career like to fifty percent of what it was, just because of how Pete Carroll is. 
you know, and like if Carson were to get hurt or something like that, then if they had yeah. Le'Veon Bell, like Le'Veon Bell would just get all the work. <laughs> That's how I feel Pete Carroll would do it. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, by the way, Chris Carson was on pace to catch 50 balls last year. You know, not too shabby as far as his involvement. Not too shabby. So, With yeah. Carlos Hyde, Carlos Hyde was taking a good amount of uh, yeah. runs and, you know, he was taking a good amount of snaps. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Mike Davis to the Falcons. He's their RB1 as of right now. He's their three down back as of right now. <laughs> proved a very capable season last year with Carolina. He doesn't go down easy. He's shown that he's elusive in the run and receiving game. Um, but there's always the possibility, and I'm going to say likelihood, that Atlanta drafts a back <laughs> right in, in the draft, right? Yeah. Like they're going to add to this backfield. Like depending on who that guy is and where he's drafted, like that will be the main factor in how we view Mike Davis going into the season. I don't think Edo Smith is going to be much of a factor. Um, if Mike Davis goes into the season as the main back, though, he's like like a mid-RB2 mm. off the bat. Yeah, I mean, if if the season starts tomorrow and Falcons haven't added anyone to this backfield or drafted anyone, yeah, Mike Davis running back too. Um, but I think me, you, and a slew of other people believe that at least with their second rounder, that they'll make a move for an ETN if he's there, uh, Javante Williams, someone like that. I don't think um, – gosh, what's his name? The new head coach. He, what's his name? Oh, Arthur Smith. It just came to me. I don't think Arthur Smith, with how much he wants to use the running back, is going to go into the season with just Mike Davis. I think they're going to make a move in the draft. I don't know when it'll be. Definitely not the first, obviously, but – Maybe the second, maybe the third. We'll see. We'll see. The running back yeah. who gets drafted there is going to be looked at as a uh, top 20 running back. And now let's go through a little scenario here. Let's say if Javante Williams is drafted in beginning of round two, are you worried of a potential split backfield with Mike Davis? Or do you feel like Mike Davis is um, like he's like, a, I, I had someone comment because I did all the breaking free agency stuff. Someone commented to say, this is uh, Mike Davis to the Bears type vibes. Where like they drafted Dave Montgomery that year and everybody thought Mike Davis would like have this shared role. But then Monty kind of, you know, he didn't really take over because they still had Terry Kill, uh, Terry Cohen. But um, yeah, like M- Mike Davis kind of fell back into a smaller role. Yeah. Well, the thing is like Mike Davis never had the type of season that he had prior to that point. I personally knew that he was capable because he's done some things in Seattle, you know, prior yeah, to that point. Um, and he looked good, but he didn't have like an amazing amount of opportunity like he had last year in, in Carolina, right? Like he looked really good last year. So I think it's a little bit different, you know, and he's a veteran. Um, when a rookie comes in um, after a veteran has had a great year last the year before, I do think that the veteran's going to take some work away, you know, yeah. and, and it also depends on how good that rookie does in camp all that sort of thing, you know, like if they draft someone like Javante Williams, I'm going to go like my mindset going into training camp time is basically like, this is going to be a 50, 50 split. That's how I'm going to view it. Right. That's going to be my, my my default when it comes to this situation, but like, I'm going to be looking out for like, okay, like is Javante Williams looking amazing in camp? You know, all those, all those sorts of things. I'm going to be looking for all the reports coming out, Um, you know, and we'll kind of go from there, you know, and, his price is going to be a big, big factor too. Like, you know, is Javante Williams going to, you know, uh, get work on third downs, on passing downs? Is that going to be Mike Davis's role? Like, is it going to be a Derrick Henry situation where he won't let him play in any passing downs? 
Right. Yeah. So that's 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 the thing, right? So we'll see. I mean, Javante Williams was relatively efficient in the past yeah. game in college. So, um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see how that, it's going to be an interesting situation to to unfold because that offense could be pretty good next yeah. year. I think they definitely okay. could. Yeah. Um, okay. Philip Lindsay went to the Texans. Um, this this backfield is, is a bit of a mess right now, and that I think that's an understatement. They cut Duke Johnson. Yeah. Uh, they obviously had David Johnson. They added Mark Ingram, and now they add Philip Lindsay. I think like Mark when Mark Ingram was added, like it wasn't a huge deal for me when it came to like David Johnson's fantasy value. But now they add Philip Lindsay, and I think I can definitely see Lindsay getting some work there, right? And if Deshaun Watson yeah. is not the quarterback in Houston this season, like I'm gonna be out completely. Yeah, I'm already kind of out. I mean, it's gonna right. come out. It's gonna come down to the ADPs. I think David Johnson is only there because he took a pay cut. If he refused to take a pickup, he would no longer be a Texan because right. right around the same exact time that they released Duke Johnson, it was announced that David Johnson took a pretty decent uh, pay cut. Yeah. Um, Mark Ingram coming into Houston, that was a familiarity type thing with David Coley, the passing game coordinator with the Ravens being the new head coach. Um, having some you know familiarity with Mark Ingram. Uh, I, I still think Ingram can get in there and take some of those goal line work. Maybe a little early. I mean, the, the thing about Ingram is he can take away, like he has the ability to take away early downs. He has the ability to take away passing downs. He has the ability to take away goal line. Doesn't mean he will do it because he was inactive for a handful of games at the end of the year. But um, so I well, think he's, like he's not going to take passing downs over David Johnson, though. Yeah, probably not. I'm just right? saying, like he ha- yeah. he can be a pass catcher if needed. Right. You know, and that's what Mark make Mark Ingram a little bit of a dangerous backup to where you never know where he could filter in. Um, But yeah, but realistically, I don't really envision him coming in over David Johnson for that role. Regardless, I think David Johnson, we know who he is. We know what his ceiling is. And we know where his cap is in this offense with those three running backs. With Mark Ingram, we have an idea he's going to be that guy in the background. But with Philip Lindsay, if there's anyone in this backfield that's going to break free, so to speak, if if Philip Lindsay ends up uh, getting a bulk of the carries, he's going to be the only one in this backfield I'm interested in based on ADP. If I can get Philip Lindsay in the ninth or 10th round, I think that's worth a shot. I think that's worth a sleeper shot. David Johnson gets injured. Maybe Philip Lindsay turns it to a low end running back too. And, you know, best case scenario, if Watson is there. Um, but yeah, I, I just think Lindsay still has that chip on his shoulder. He has that upside and he's the only one in this draft in, in this like running back room that when you draft him, you might get more value from if David Johnson, you're drafting him in the fifth or sixth round, you kind of, no, it's either going to be at that level or less. And Mark Ingram, I don't even know if he's going to be drafted, but you know, you can't have high expectations for him. Right. I'm really upset right now. And why are you the, upset? Re- the reason why I'm upset is because I just deleted all of the videos and recordings that we we did from last offseason, um, where we talked about the Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay situation, where you said that there's no way. I'm drafting Philip Lindsay in the ninth round because what's his value <laughs> going to be? <laughs> and I was the one saying like, no, no, I think he can have some value. You know what I mean? And you're like, there's no, there's, point. there's no way. What? Then their point like, of careers the point? between Melvin Gordon and David Johnson <laughs> and the situation with the offense. And they had right. just brought Melvin Gordon in as opposed to David Johnson who hanging on a by cut. a string. Right. You know. <laughs> no, I got you. But I, I, I get, still, yeah, that's funny. No. It's, it's still funny <laughs> because like, it, it's such it will, be, it will be such a nice piece of content to put like side by side. You know what I mean? But anyway, all right. Oh, so God. now as far as the Broncos go, like Melvin Gordon, right now he's the three down 
back there right yeah. now, right? Like Pat Shermer has a history of using those workhorse backs. And we talked about it last week, right? Because I think I think at that point, Phil Lindsay just got released or something. I think that's what happened. So, yeah, um, and I, like, I don't think Shermer wanted to use Phil Lindsay, but like, I think there was like no way he couldn't have used them because when Phil Lindsay was touching the ball early in the year, like he was making things happen. So yeah. I'm curious to see whether they add another back to compliment Gordon. Um, but if there's Mike Boone. a significant, who? Mike Boone, they added. Oh, oh, did they add Mike Boone? Okay. That's they interesting. Did. That's interesting. Um, but we'll see. You know, I think as of right now, he's still probably three down back. You know, um, I, I would look at Gordon as like a solid RB2 as of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, like he did get that DUI charge dropped for whatever reason, um, even though he, I think he told the cop that he Nuts. was drinking. I have, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he looks to be safe from any suspensions. That's, that's what it seems like at this point. Um, we'll see. So last I mean, the NFL is a little stingy. That's true. You never know, right? Like it, it, they don't necessarily need like a, like a charge. It could be September 1st. NFL is like, well, remember that one time? <laughs> right, right. It's true. It's true. Um, so if you look at Gordon's workload last season, it was very inconsistent, right? But mm-hmm. if that can move up a little bit, like if he can keep his touch total like above 18, maybe close to 20, like I think we're looking at a pretty decent fantasy season for him. So um, he was at like 16 touches per game last year. That's not enough to get it done. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I mean, he, at this point, hope. No, I was just going to say he still finished as an RB2. But yeah. at the same time, you just weren't happy most of the uh, most of the time, right? Yeah, and I mean Broncos going to next year, it's kind of a similar situation to Daniel Jones, to where like okay, all right, Drew, you got Cortland Sutton coming back, you got Jerry Judy going into year two, you got Noah Fant. We drafted a tight end who you're kind of familiar with, and I can't pronounce his last name. Um, you got Melvin Gordon in the backfield. You got a decent offensive line. That defense may be on the come up. Maybe they get a guy like Micah Parsons. This is your time to shine. You got to do something. So if the offense gets better, maybe it helps out a guy like Gordon too. Because I feel like that was a problem. A lot of inconsistency as an offense. When yeah. Drew Locke's throwing the ball, it's 50-yard picks. So we'll see. Right. 100%. Yeah, exactly. The offense, you know, should take a, take a step forward. Ho- hopefully with Court and Sutton back, it helps offense a little bit. We'll, we'll see. Um, Deshaun Jackson to the Rams. This kind of sucks for anyone who has Van Jefferson or other dynasty rosters, but it's like similar to what you're talking about with T.Y. Hilton, right? Like, I remember Josh Reynolds signed with the, with the left the Rams, they signed with the Titans, right? But let's be honest, like, like, like you said, like, is DJ's going to stay healthy, right? Like, he'll, he'll be fine for a few games out of the year. Like, Stafford's going to make some big plays with them, mm-hmm. right? But I don't see this as a big impact move by the Rams. Like I would buy low, like the same way I'm buying low on Paris Campbell. Like I might be buying low on Van Jefferson because Stafford brings an element where all three of their wide receivers can be fantasy relevant. Like if either Robert Woods or Cooper cup go down, we're looking at a potential wide receiver three in Jefferson where right now he's not really on the fantasy map. You know what I'm saying? Like he's probably like a wide receiver five or something like that right now, but um, he could take a big step up if one of these guys were to go down now that they have, a pretty good quarterback. Yeah. And who, who's to say Deshaun Jackson is an every down guy, you know, who, yeah. who's to say when they line up in three wide receiver sets, that's always going to be Deshaun Jackson on the one side. I think he's like a special, you know, play utilization type guy at this point in his career. Cause he's still fast every single yeah. year. Like, I don't think it's, it's really not even like the age factor with Deshaun Jackson. It's really the injury factor because he he's proved every single year coming back off injuries, off injury, off injury, He's fast. He's still ridiculously you. fast. He's still making great plays. 
So I, I think they kind of like this extra weapon they have. And I think Sean McVay is going to be a little conservative with him, um, yeah. especially with his injury. So it could be like a 50-50 outside start split between um, Van Jefferson and Deshaun Jackson. And which you know, would probably suck. won't take long for Jackson to get injured either. <laughs> if it's 50 50, I don't think it's gonna take that long, dude. Like, if it's 75 25, then he might get preserved over the season. Um, but that's what was happening between you know Van Jefferson and Josh Reynolds last year, where they were yeah. sharing that outside role. And it was like 50 50, neither of those guys could be dependable. Um, and they signed Van Jefferson, what I think in the second round. Um, so it's you know, they, they drafted him for a reason, you know. Yeah. Um, okay, James White. To the Patriots, back to the yeah. Patriots. Um, I, I guess it was wishful thinking that Damian Harris can have a role in passing downs, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so mean... James White back in that role, right? So I, I do you see White as being fantasy relevant at all? He wasn't last year. No, not, not with Cam. Not with Cam. Yeah. I, I don't. Right. I don't envision White being fantasy relevant with Cam. That's just not how he rolls. He'd rather not pitch it, and he'd rather just run it. Damian um, Harris, touchdown dependent, flex. But you option. know what? Honestly, I think this is good news for Harris. Yeah. Like, because I, I really doubt the Patriots were going to go into the year without that pass catcher at running back. I think they would have drafted someone. They were in talks with Chris Carson. Um, they were in talks with Leonard Fournette, I believe, at one point as well during free agency. But um, Damian Harris, I think he's still going to have that starting role. I yeah, think he's I think still so. going to be relied on. I think he can, you know, he'll probably get some pass attempts, not in pass attempts, but uh, some targets here and there. But um, overall, James White, one year, two and a half million, all guaranteed deal. Just, you know, familiarity coming back into the system, playing that pass catching role. Rex Burkhead was taking most of the pass catching last year as well. When Rex Burkhead was healthy, it seemed like it was mostly Burkhead and then White would also be in there. Then Burkhead got hurt and White still wasn't really doing much. Um, Burkhead, by the way, also a free agent coming off a, I believe his torn ACL. Uh, he has not been re-signed yet. He's had some serious injuries, man. Rex Burkhead, Rex Burkhead's resume in terms of injuries is insane. And he keeps coming back. He keeps coming back. He was so versatile. I remember his days in Cincinnati where he was yeah. showing so much promise, you know, and you know, he's shown that like, he's so versatile that, you know, if he can stay healthy, he would have been, he would have been legit, man. He would have been a very unique player for fantasy and just in the NFL in general. Um, Patriots also but, do have uh, Brandon Bolden coming back as well off the uh, okay. list, which gotcha, depth. which is good. For, I mean, he's mostly a special teams guy, right? Um, but yeah, Damian Harris, like, I, I don't see me dependent on him. You know, I can see him being on my roster as like a, my RB four or something like that, yeah. RB five. Um, but other than that, like, he's a touchdown dependent guy and. His quarterback is will probably have more rushing touchdowns than him at the end of the year, right? Absolutely, and I'm, I'm still a fan of him late, like you said. So. Yeah. Okay, so Damian Williams signing with Chicago. Um, this gives the Bears another good pass catcher in addition to Tariq Cohen. So if Cohen were to ever go down again, Damian Williams can potentially share the backfield with David. God Montgomery. forbid they use Montgomery. <laughs> no, I, I like. I don't think that. I don't think Montgomery is going to continue the type of pass catching role he had last yeah, season. He like won't. he had an insane snap share last year. He had every single job you know, in that backfield. So I could see him catching like thirty five balls this year, maybe. Right, and he'll have to depend on getting those targets on early downs if David Williams and Tariq Cohen is going to be part of this backfield. Yeah, and I think another part of it too. I, I think it's kind of like different roles. So there is a glimmer of hope for Monty in my eyes to where 
Tariq Cohen being like the slot receiver, right? And to say that with quotations. Damien Williams being like Cordero Patterson last year because Cordero Patterson is no longer there. And Patterson filled in at running back quite a bit. And I don't think Damien Williams is going to take as much early down work as Patterson did, which is nuts because Patterson is technically a wide receiver. Um, but yeah, I think they have three different roles. And I think if Dave Montgomery can get like 60, 70% of the snaps, which I really don't know if he's going to do that unless they have like two running back sets with Tariq Cohen, but it's possible. You know, it's possible. I, I don't know. It, it's a little glimmer of hope, or at least that's what I pitched to the guy who I was trading with in Dynasty. Before <laughs> I, 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 I sent uh, David Montgomery and a third rookie pick for the 103. Let's go, Joe. Let's go. I ripped that because I got the I got the Twitter notification of the Damian Williams signing. I was like, oh shit, let me send this trade now. You have to play dirty guys. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. Good job. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. Very nice. Um, I know. I just that just makes me happy. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, like I don't think I don't think uh, Dave Montgomery is going to be that dude, man. I mean, I am a fan if he gets the opportunity, but I think that he's going to be hovering around fifty percent of snaps next year. I really do. Okay. Tevin Coleman signing with the Jets. Um, he's their RB1 right now, but I don't think that's going to last too long. Um, he, he only signed a one-year deal worth up to $2 million. Whoa. Crazy. Bargain contract. Like, as a Jets fan, like, I'm happy about that because he's going to sure. be a nice ba- backup slash compliment to whoever they draft. Um, but it does look all too obvious that they are going to draft somebody. Um, now, are they going to draft someone in day one, day two? We'll see. But... Remember, this scheme is being brought over from San Francisco. Their running back coach, their offensive line coach. You know, as long as they can build up that line just a little bit, the RB one there is worth paying attention to. All right. Yeah, it's no, I, I no, think it's interesting because maybe they take the. I, I think they first of all they have to beef up that line if they want to yeah. play the Shanahan way. If they want to do yes. the, uh, you know, undrafted guy, throw him in there. He'll be fine. Like. They got to beef up the line if they're going to do that. I don't know. It's going to be tricky. Yeah. I mean, you know, at least they're going to play that zone scheme, you know, and, and yeah. it'll be a little bit easier for these guys to block. So, you know, they do – the offensive line will definitely be a, a, a concern. Like, as a Jets fan, I'm hoping that – this is a deep a deep draft for linemen. Um, so, I'm hoping that they can draft somebody maybe, you know, lay, with, a, with their second first-round pick potentially or maybe or maybe trade up a little bit but anyway okay Rashad Perriman uh former Jet signing with the Lions who is the wide receiver one in Detroit is it Rashad Perriman or Quintus Cephas we talked about him it, earlier in the offseason or is it neither <laughs> can either of these guys be fantasy relevant next year um I think again I think this is a situation in a way, kind of similar to the David Johnson situation to where, like, we know what Rashad Perriman is, right? Like, we know his upside is, like, you know, big play guy here and there. You know, his father played in Detroit, so I'm sure that was a big motivator for him coming in there. It meant a lot for him. But Quintus Cephas is going to his second year. He's someone they very, very much like, and um, he, he's a guy whose ceiling is, like, you know, we, we, we just haven't seen it. We just haven't, we've seen big plays 
and he, we've seen him be stuffed behind the depth chart between Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. At the very least, like I did say in the offseason, see if this has a chance to be a uh, season-long starter as an outside wide receiver. He's in that type of position. I don't think Tyrell Williams, uh, the other guy they signed, is really going to step into that role. Geronimo Allison being the only other wide receiver really on the roster right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, let's say – Let's say the Lions draft Jalen Waddle with the round one pick. Jalen Waddle, slot guy, right? You still got Cephas on the outside starting. And then they spend a second round pick on another wide receiver. There's not really any wide receivers to pick up at right now. So the depth you're looking at is like Waddle, Cephas, Perriman, unless they, you know, they add more wide receivers in the draft. But as you get later into the rounds, it only means more of a chance it's for Cephas to establish himself. So yeah, I'm still, I think Cephas is going to be a late round pick, late round sleeper for me. I think Perriman, if they don't draft a wide receiver, <laughs> then sure, I'll look at Perriman, but it's going to be TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift show. Pretty much. All right. We mentioned this before, Josh Reynolds signing with the Titans. Um, now, if Josh Reynolds is their wide receiver too, I'm going to be drafting AJ Brown so early People are going to be laughing at me. Um, <laughs> he's a fine wide receiver too, like in real football terms, mm-hmm. you know, Josh Reynolds, but I don't, he's not going to be commanding targets uh, with Corey Davis there. Like, you're like, okay, I get it. Right. Like he proved that he was, you know, when he was being targeted, he would do his thing. Right. And he was a high pedigree type of wide receiver when, when drafted and he did. Um, but Reynolds is not going to infringe on a 150 target season for AJ Brown. If yeah, they stop here. Okay. Yeah. Um, um... And Adam Humphreys also, right? He left, right? He, he signed, signed with Washington the, today. Was, he signed with Washington. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, he's going to play that slot role, right? And then, you know, Fitzpatrick got some weapons here, right? You got, you got Humphreys. You got Curtis Samuel. You know, you got um, Terry McLaurin. He got, uh, what's, that, what's that tight end's name? Um, Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas. Never forget he that got, name. Oh, man, he got some good, he got, he got Gibson there. Like, he got some, he got some weapons, man. Yeah, be interesting weapons, offense for sure. It's going to be interesting offense. Like this is an offense that people are going to be targeting next year, which is not something we could say outside of Tyler McLaurin and I guess Antonio Gibson. You know, and I think the funny part about that is how like actually awful the the Washington team's uh, offense was last year, and how we got so many good weeks of Logan Thomas. Like right. we got Terry for like a whole year. Um, Antonio Gibson had his spurts. JD McKissick. Like we had four guys. They're yeah. like very consistent, like, well, yeah, for the most part, consistent assets, even with terrible quarterback play. So Ryan Fitzpatrick may not sound like a huge upgrade to a lot of people, but it is, it, it is. Really he is. allows these guys to just reach their potential at the very least, even exactly. if Fitzpatrick throws a ton of picks, they still get a strong defense and yeah, I, don't know. I, I, I like it. Tight ends, Dan Arnold signed with the Panthers. Jacob Hollister signed with the Bills. Uh, any interest in these two from a fantasy perspective? Um, a little interesting tidbit with Hollister is that he played with Josh Allen in Wyoming. So, I mean, that's cool. Um, they, they, <laughs> the, the Bills were looking to add a tight end uh, throughout the offseason. They had interest in a lot, just about all the guys that ended up being free agents. But um, they ended up sticking with Jacob Hollister. They can still address that position in the draft, but it's just going to be tough. They're going to have to use that late first because outside of, um, you know, Kyle Pitts, which they're not even going to be close to being in range of getting, it's just Pat Freermuth 
and Brevin Jordan. And those are the only like top tier ish tight ends that you can get your hands on. And those are both going to be either low first or high second type guys. So um, it, it'll be interesting. Um, if Jacob Hollister, I mean, Dawson Knox has not been anything special. He's made some plays, but with the familiarity, maybe Hollister makes a name for himself. I think at, at the probably just a boomer bust type guy, Dan Arnold, someone who was surprisingly well in Arizona, um, probably just more of a product of just, the type of offense they had um, kind of feels like a little bit of a hole for the Panthers, maybe a filler, but maybe they get Brevin Jordan or Pat Freer moving in the second round. So I don't know. I'm not huge on either of these. I don't view either of these guys as a sleeper. Right, right. Now, since we're on the topic, we mentioned Jared Cook last uh, last week, right? And I, w- I went back and I looked at uh, Donald Parham's field, fit film and I looked at Jared Cook and how he looked. And, you know, I, and the reason why I did that is because I realized that Jared Cook was like 34 years old. And I was yeah. like, oh, wow. Okay, like, let me, let me see. Like, what, did he actually fall off last year or was it because of quarterback play? He did not look good, man. Like, he did not look good, especially in the second half of the year. Um, and Donald Parham, looked, like, he looks so Six good. Six foot eight, dude. He's 23 yeah. years old. <laughs> and, like, the for me, like looking at these two guys, and one looks like I'm I'm watching it on like 1.5 x speed, and one looks like I'm watching it on like like 0.5 x like half half speed, and I'm just like, last week I said that like Jared Cook might infringe on a potential like breakout or me not look at Donald Parham late in drafts, but now, I think I'm still going to be considering Donald Parham late in drafts, especially because of Justin Herbert, him being there, you know what I mean, and like that if offense they Mike taking a step forward. If they cut Michael Williams, especially, so we'll see. We'll see. Maybe they still go Kyle Pitts, but who knows? At, at the same time, like I'm, I'm still focusing on, uh, you know, I'm still going to have him as one of my late round potential, like very late round potential tight ends. I just wanted to mention yeah. that. Yeah, I think he's a guy who you don't have to draft. Yeah, and like you know, you week look one, at the waivers and like yeah. you got an extra waiver spot. Yeah, pick him up before week one. Maybe you had exactly. a guy on your bench you weren't really too proud of, and you're like, yeah, you know, hold Donald Parr him. Or like a, you know, like the type deal where like, if you play on a Monday, you can drop this guy and pick up a guy for the next week. Do that with Parham or whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah, there's potential exactly. for early season to acquire him. So I, don't, I wouldn't right. make a move during the draft. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, or maybe with your last pick or something like that. Uh, Bill signed Matt Breida. Um, he's being added to that backfield. Uh, I'm assuming he becomes their RB3. Um, yeah. behind behind Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Uh, we still don't know who the RB1 is between Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Like, uh, I'm a fan of Zach Moss. If he, if I believe that if he didn't get hurt with that toe early in the year, like he could have potentially, you know, created some room between him and Singletary. But Singletary had some games too. He, he's a pretty good back. He's a good compliment. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how that situation unfolds. But I don't think Matt Breida is any, anybody that we need to be concerned with. No, I was um, never really a huge fan of Matt Breida. Either way, yeah. he went to Miami. wasn't a huge fan. He was really a system guy in 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 yeah. in San Francisco. Um, Keelan Cole signed with the Jets. Uh, he's their wide receiver four at the moment, uh, but he's interesting if he were to ever get some opportunity in that scheme. He's shown some serious flashes in his career. Keep an eye out on him. You know, we also have to fo- see what the progress is with Denzel Mims too. Um, yeah. There's also a possibility that Jamison Crowder gets cut. And then he uh, becomes because, a slot wide receiver. 
and then he becomes a slot wide receiver because he did play some slot last year for the Jaguars. Um, but he's a good outside wide receiver as well. So he's a little versatile. Um, he did sign like, I think a $5.5 million contract for one year. And apparently he had a ton of interest around the league. He, and, and and honestly, like, you know, rightfully so, man, like the dude, like his, his, his rookie year, he almost had 800 receiving yards. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, that's, that's not too shabby, dude. Like he, and he, he's shown a lot of potential. Like after that rookie season, I was drafting Q and Cole in like late in my leagues because, you know, it was, I think his ADP in his second year was like around the ninth round. Um, yeah, something like something that. Like that. Tenth, tenth DJ Chark yeah. came out of nowhere. Back and DJ Shark came before. out of nowhere. Exactly. Exactly. All right. All right. Uh, Chiefs re-signed Demarcus Robinson. Uh, so much for any sort of McCole Hardman breakout. Not that that was going to happen anyway. Because no. Robinson was hurt. Sammy Watkins was hurt. McCole Hardman still couldn't do anything. And Sammy um, Watkins may not be coming back. He's he might be the Baltimore guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, and yeah, I, I think we hit him. Was there anyone that we missed that you have? I think I, I hit on most of these guys. Um, Let me do a quick little check. I'm pretty sure we got it all. I think we got it all. Well, guys, like I, I, I really appreciate you guys tuning in into the episode and and you know sticking with us throughout the off season. Like, like I always say, if you're listening in March, that means like you, you really know what's going on. You're really tuned in. Uh, Joe, did I miss anybody? I think you think we're good. I think we're we hit on Tevin Coleman. <laughs> uh, yeah, seems like we we got okay. it all. And if we miss anybody of significance, we can always, you know, capture that next week. The season isn't starting for a few months, so uh, we can get to it. So coming up, you know, most of April is going to be our draft coverage. So we're going to yes. be going in-depth into quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. And we're going to be, you know, going over all of the the film, not just highlights. We're going to look at the film. We're going to look at all of the metrics that correlate to fantasy success that's what i'm big i'm big about um so i'm gonna be looking at that um and we're gonna be breaking down our top prospects we're gonna be ranking them um we're gonna be talking about what fit you know what teams might fit um and where in the draft they're gonna go so that's kind of what we're gonna do um over the next several weeks um up until the draft and i think we're gonna have a (laughs) we were just talking about this before the podcast started We, we were trying to figure out what to do on draft night um, and we'll probably have some sort of podcast coming out the, the day after the uh, the first round, and we'll break that that down as well. So yeah. uh, big plans no, for April. Yeah, just keep an eye out for that wide receiver episode. And I don't want to say too much about it, but just keep an eye out for it. Yes, we we might uh, have. Uh, I'm just going to we'll just keep it at that. It's going to be a special special episode. You guys don't want to miss that. Um, if you want an advantage going into your a rookie drafts or just in general in your redraft dynasty leagues in general, you're going to want to listen to that episode. Yeah. That's it's good. Say right definitely now. good perception. <laughs> for sure. All right, guys, listen, um, again, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, hit us up on Instagram. I'm at upper hand fantasy. Joe is at fantasy.football.analyst on Instagram. Give us, give us a, um, a, sh- a sh- something. Give us a shoot. Give us a shot. Okay. Give us a, give us a oh, shout. God. Give us a shout. <laughs> give us a shoot um thank you guys <laughs> all right <laughs> we'll see you guys soon <laughs> joe's like yo can you end this please um <laughs> take it easy guys <laughs> see ya see ya